got it again. Can't stop, won't stop. It's really here, folks. It's really happening. It's draft day. Oh, my God. We're eight hours away, so we're going to get it in. And really, this is going to probably be the best NFL draft preview show around. And I'm just going to say that because it's the NFLDraftBible.com, baby. You see what we're doing over there? Check us out. we got the top 1,000 big board. we got over a dozen interviews with NFL draft player prospects on the YouTube page. Now we're going to unleash the podcast series today and tomorrow at noon, day three, to be continued. And uh, we're going to get right into it because we don't have a lot of time. So we're going to welcome in the stars of the show. I'm your host, Rick Saratella. All right, seem the place to be. I'm broadcasting. I'm I'm looking at the draft as we um, broadcast this show in the in the city of brotherly love that they like to call Philadelphia. And I got to say, it's bigger, better, and better than Chicago. And there's uh, 14 uh, city officials. You know, city officials from 14 cities. I just spoke to the commissioner, Roger Godell, trying to woo the NFL draft for next year. So a lot of moving and shaking going on and uh, to help us get through the show. But before we do that, I, I do want to let everybody know we're brought to you today by Premier Athlete Advisors. Check out PremierAthleteAdvisors.com. My guys, Adam and Matt, uh, sponsoring our draft coverage and helping us out here a little bit. So we want to give a shout-out to everything that they're doing there. But enough about all that. Let's get to Joe Everett, Justin Gamble on the Defiance Fuel hotline. Uh, Justin, starting off with you, man. Merry Christmas. This is adult Christmas day, bro. What if I told you that I barely slept because I only slept like an hour and a half in freaking anxiety for this man, so I'm ready to go. I think we all got those jitters, and uh, Joe, it's about that time of the year like we always do. How you doing, brother? Oh, Dave Williams. Day one, man, I can't wait. Uh, it's I'm just jealous. You guys are kicking in Philly. I'm sick as a dog here in Indy, but I hope you're right, Rick, and next year they do it in Philly because I'm going to go get some Pat steaks, some Geno's, some John Rose pork, D'Alessandro's, best food in the world is in Philadelphia, but let's talk about the best athletes in the world. Well, I don't know about the best, but it's definitely an upgrade over Chicago for sure, and uh you know, we're going to try and get through the first day preview here and talk about some storylines. And, uh, you know, Joe, shout out for the rundown here. And I'm going to hop and bop here because everybody loves a surprise. And everybody wants to know who's going to be that first-round shock, whether it's high, whether it's low, whether it's a Laramie Tunsil gas mask. Let's start it off with you, Joe Everett. And, of course, you can follow Joe Everett at Joe W. Everett. You can follow Justin at Scout, And you can follow all our live exclusive coverage at NFL Draft Bible. But, Joe, who do you have or what kind of scenario do you have unfolding here in just a few hours that's going to shock people in round one? Well, I'm going at the end of round one. I think that's when you get those players that just – fit a team and fit a need. And, you know, most people would not expect them to be day one guys, but uh, we were talking just a, a day ago, you know, we're getting our, our list together and, and the final preparations and I'm, I'm banging the table for Jordan Willis, Kansas state. And I think that's the guy at the end of round one, people may not have remembered a lot of Wildcats games, you know, but Billy Snyder coaches him up well. And I don't think Jordan Willis is just a product of a system. I think he's a stud. 
I think he tested through the roof. I think he showed up at the Senior Bowl and checked all the boxes. This is a guy that, uh, to me, he's day one, and uh, I think that's the people. It may turn some heads right now, but, you know, we're in the league for a few uh, uh, years. I think Willis, man, he's going to be a player. So that's a guy I'm, I'm, I put him in my round one mock. Hey, you know, and I'll take – give me Jordan Willis over Charles Harris. That's just me. Uh, Justin, who do you got? What do you got? First round shock. Many of you guys are crazy. Uh, for me, I'm looking <laughs> at edge rushers too, though, and I got Tyus Bowser from Houston. Uh, again, another dude that tested through the roof. He's raw. He was, you know, battled some injuries, but when you look at what he can do, his ability to drop in coverage, play off the ball, play on the ball, come off the edge, you know, corner, dip, and flatten, man. This kid has all the tools in the world. He's got the size. He's got the length. I think at some point a team's going to look at the options and say, you know, there's not much better you can do overall as an athlete, as a player. I, I think this is a guy that ends up sneaking into round one some way, somehow, maybe a Dallas at 28. Uh, I think it just depends on the board, but I think he's a, he's a definite dark horse. Well, you know, he has all the measurables and athleticism and Tyus Bowser here getting a lot of first round buzz here late. And, you know, Joe, I know we had chatted about him too a couple of days ago, and I know you have something to say about it because supposedly he was at the senior ball, but uh, you might have had a better chance finding him on the, the back of a milk carton. Yeah, exactly. I'm mean, missing in action. I don't know. But then again, some of the things they had him doing, uh, it's not exactly the, the, the things at that event you could max out at, but I would have to agree. I'm just, where was he all week was my big question, but I won't argue with the where there's smoke, there is fire. I mean, this guy is picking up steam towards draft day, but I just don't see it. I see a guy a little bit, a little bit maxed out right now, but we'll, We'll see. You know, teams will probably disagree with me there. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not a Bowser fan, but uh, Justin is right. This guy is picking up some major steam. All right, well, guys, with with my shocker here, you know, it took me. I was, I was doing my mock draft last night, going through the scenarios, and we'll talk about fallers and risers and all that too. But, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I saw Kansas City struggle with the, the run game last year uh, with Jamal Charles going down, obviously they did not bring him back. And they were willing to put it all, they put their neck on the line last year for Tyreek Hill. They're going to come back around again and put it all on the line. They, they dealt with the, the PR fiasco last year, and they're willing to embrace it again this year because I have Joe Mixon in my first-round mock draft on NFLDraftBible.com, Kansas City Chiefs, Joe Mixon, going back to the wishing well, but, hey, so many guys now with question marks in this draft, why not? Yeah. I would agree that you got if – you're, if you're bringing in a Joe Mixon, you better have a, a strong coach, staff, and locker room, and, and that's what Kansas City's got. So an environment you're bringing them in, that's that's a good fit. Justin, Man, I love shocked it. to see Mixon come off the first round tonight? Color me shocked, bro, but I love that. I mean, it's it's a great fit for their offense. It's a great fit for locker. I mean, yeah, I, do I personally see it happening? I don't know. That's, that just seems 
I, you know, I had, I didn't, I hadn't even considered mixing round one. So, um, I am flat out shocked right now, but I like that fit. I like that fit a lot. That's what I'm talking about. All right. NFL draft Bible, Rick Saratella, Justin Gamble, Joe Everett. We're just breaking it down for you. And, you know, I just saw this come across the wire a little bit and we'll transition into trade talk and we're each going to pick a team that might trade up, might trade down. But from what I'm hearing, a uh, very good source. Should the Browns take Miles Garrett? And should Mitchell Trubisky still be on the board when the Titans come up to select? The word right now is the number 12 pick and a second-round pick to the Titans for the Browns to move up from 12 to 5 to grab Trubisky. Thoughts, Joe? Mm. I agree that Trubisky is actually the guy. That's where the trading movement is going to come, and I think it's yeah, it's. I'm anticipating it happen around three, but that still does make a lot of sense to to get it at five. Uh, the Titans sitting there, Titans multiple picks too. You've always got extra ammunition to move up or down with the extra picks. So, I yeah, definitely a candidate to move down and there just to be a wheeler or dealer. I've got them in another move, but yeah, I would agree on principle. Uh, you're going to see a team move up to get Trubisky. Trubisky's not going to fall to 12. I think there's just a few too many teams that's seen the kid work out and got a liking to him. I don't, I'm not saying it's right or I agree with it, but, yeah, there's going to be a team move up in the top five to get Trubisky. Yeah, it's a quarterback-needed league. You mentioned you had a different scenario, Joe. What do you got for us? A different scenario, different position, and I just fits to players, players. To uh, uh, I'm going Panthers trading up from eight with Tennessee. Just as I mentioned, Tennessee is going to be a partner with all these picks. And uh, Tennessee, I don't think, needs uh, the players in that area. They're looking at either Mike Williams, the wide receiver Clemson, or O.J. Howard, uh, just a pass catcher for Mariota. They're more than willing to trade down. Maybe 2-8 with Carolina. Carolina trades up to get Leonard Fournette. I think both teams, it would be a kind of a marriage, uh, an equal need, equal fit, and just the type of player they need. So that's I, I, at least where my mock draft sits, fellas, that's one of the trades I've got forecasted because I think both those players kind of fit right in with what the teams won. And, Justin, always hard this time, uh, you know, just hours before the draft. I mean, it's more smoke signals out there than ever before now, so we got to be careful yeah. from what we hear. But what's a scenario or situation that you could see unfolding here tonight? And i got to say – I don't think anybody truly knows because this is going to be a wild, wild west uh, draft. I think we'll we'll see plenty of trades here in the first round, but give us a situation. Yeah, I mean, you said you were talking about Cleveland trading up, and uh, I think one of my scenarios that I had going down was Cleveland trades up to number two after they take Garrett at one. I think that maybe hmm. they're so infatuated with Trubisky they take Garrett and then they sell the farm and move up to two to take Trubisky back to back, you know, with two picks. Um, it just seems like all the reports are saying that ownership wants that quarterback and, you know, GMs can only do so much to get the, get the owner breathing off their neck. At some point they got to do what they got to do. And uh, if they're not sold on this class or if they're not sold that their guy will be there at 12, they might have to trade up to number two and they might end up taking Trubisky at number two. That, or I got the Bills moving up to number five in front of the Jets um, to get their quarterback. You know, maybe they don't 
Maybe they're not sure who the Jets are going to take, but if they think they're going to take their signal caller, they move up to number five. Those are two of the scenarios that I kind of had going down, and it mainly has to do with quarterbacks because that's all the rage these days, man. You know, Justin, you mentioned Buffalo, but I got to ask, I mean, are there any quarterbacks in this year's draft? Are they an upgrade over Tyrod Taylor, do you think? Uh, Personally, I think so. I think Tyrod Taylor, you kind of know what you're getting. I think he – I wouldn't say he's maxed out, but he's shown enough to where he's far enough in his career where you get what you're getting. And I think Mahomes, I think Kaiser, I think Trubisky are all upgrades. Um, So, personally, I do see see them being a candidate to move up because they might know or they might feel as if their guy is up there. Okay, very good. Rick Saratella, Joe Everett, Justin Gamble breaking it down for the NFL Draft Bible Round 1 preview show. And we do have the hotlines open if you want to get a phone call in. you got questions, we'll take them. 347-945-6275. Once again, 347-945-6275. I opened up the chat room so you can drop us a line in there if you got questions. And uh, we're going to you know, keep it moving and keep it grooving with the quarterback conversation since – that seems to be a hot topic, guys. Uh, you know, Vegas is doing the over-unders. They're taking the prop bets. And, you know, uh, right now, this is one of the more interesting drafts where, you know, I, I can't recall, Joe, us going into a draft where you, you ask four or five talent evaluators who the best quarterback in this year's draft is. You might get four or five answers, but how many go in round one? What's the order they go in? And uh, break it down for us. Yeah, I think it's it's three right now. Uh, and what's amazing is maybe a month ago uh, we talk about this and Kaiser's in that conversation. But I think finally people, like I've been banging the table, man, uh, watch that Duke game, watch that Navy game. There's a reason he's slipping out of day one, I think. And also some interview uh, question marks. But Trubisky's number one. I think, like we just mentioned in his trade talks, he's finding himself in the top five area. And then I think it's Deshaun Watson next off the board. Uh, there's going to be a team to, to pull the trigger. And then that third guy, the hype around uh, Patrick Mahomes the second, it's starting to become real just for the simple fact. If you want to base this whole draft class on arm talent alone and who can spin it, Mahomes might be number one. Uh, he has, like, some raw stuff that I don't think the other guys have. But where he's coming from, the setup, the footwork, it's it, just like you said, Rick, I don't know, like, is any quarterback in this class better than Tyrod Taylor for the Bills right now this year? No. All these guys are a year away. And Mahomes, man, he may even be two years away, right? I, I don't know. Uh, but he's he's going to find himself in the third or in the first round, so that would be our third quarterback. I, I think it's three guys. Okay, so Joe has three, so in Vegas, I guess that would be the under. Justin, are, are you got three? You got the same amount or more? I had those three guys plus Kaiser. I think Kaiser slips into the back end of round one, maybe Pittsburgh. Oh. Um, I think he's such a good package of what you look for at quarterback, the size, the arm, uh, the mental acumen, you know, on tape, he anticipates, he reads defenses. Yeah, he had a bad year, but I think he's too good to pass up late round one. I think he's, um, you know, the other three guys are going to go, and then he's going to be the next best, and someone's going to be afraid to miss out on their guys. So I got four, um, Kaiser being the last one. 
Yeah, I'm in agreement with Justin here. I think that it's just a quarterback-needy league. Too many teams either need a quarterback, need to groom a quarterback, and I think, you know, somebody's going to probably trade up and select Kaiser, even though I couldn't sneak him into my first-round mock. I don't really do the, the trade scenarios with my mock draft. I just let it be. But my order is going to be a little bit different. I have Watson coming off the board first, number three to Chicago. I think Trubisky with that Cleveland Titans trade scenario, I think uh, Trubisky goes five to Cleveland. And then, you know, I think Mahomes, the Texans, you can't go into the season with just Tom Savage, uh, who's always been hurt going back to his Rutgers days, his, you know, Arizona State. Uh, where was he at? Pittsburgh, too. I mean, this guy's always hurt. So I know Patrick Mahomes was in town for a two-night stay. They wined and then dined him. Uh, I think Mahomes will be third off the board. And I think, you know, if you can get Kaiser linked up with the team, uh, a quarterback whisperer like a Bruce Arians or, or, you know, groom him a year or two with a guy behind Roethlisberger or something like that, I think it'll be appealing and too tempting. I think another team will trade back. I think we will see four quarterbacks and, you know, it's not on our rundown, fellas, but the question I always get asked, or one of the questions I get asked often is, who's this year's Dak Prescott, a.k.a. who's the day two, day three quarterback, in your opinion, that could possibly outplay some of the quarterbacks who go ahead of him? I'll start off with you, Justin, putting you on the spot here. I'm going with my boy from Miami, and it's Brad Kaya. Uh Three-year starter, um, just a pro's pro, man. I mean, you look at the kid; he's got the he's got the foundation. He started as a true freshman. He played in what we want to call a pro-style system. He played in a few different systems, but he knows what he's doing as far as full-field reads. Um, he throws into layers. He can anticipate. He's a uh, he's a little mechanical in the pocket, but I think he's got the the mental side down to where the game slows down for him and he's going to get on the NFL team and, you know, without any pressure on him, he's going to be able to kind of fly under the radar for a little bit and kind of pull the Tom Brady where you kind of just work your way up and uh, just go at your own pace. Um, And that's the thing is, you know, these other guys are going to be a lot of pressure. They get in there, they're expected to start. They're the first round guy. But Kaya has that um, kind of ability to just kind of sit back and let the let everything come to him. And I think when you look at what he was able to do at Miami year after year, just kind of under Al Golden, it was just a crapshoot. But um, I think he's got all the intangibles. He's got the physical ability. He's that guy that's going to wow people in a few years, and we're going to see an NFL starter out of him. And just a follow-up, Jay, I mean – do you think it was a mistake coming out early? And before I before you answer, you know, Bob McKinn is one of the best in the business in covering the draft each and every year, and his sources are very reliable. I thought it was interesting in the Milwaukee Sentinel, he had uh, anonymous scouts, always anonymous, but one scout saying that the coaches and players couldn't wait for Kaya to get out of there, and I thought that was interesting. But, you know, with Mark Richt being there, especially Justin, do you think it was a – poor decision to declare because here's a guy, Mark Richt, uh, a quarterback there at Miami in his own right. And, you know, he could have possibly, I mean, do you, do you think if Kaya came back, could he potentially have been a first round pick next year? I do, man. I do think it was the wrong move for him to come out because I think you, you know, 
you go to your first year in a new system under Ridge, and it's it's obviously a language you've never spoken before. So, you know, like he didn't have that great of a year last year because, like I said, it's it's your first year in a system. You got to learn this. You got to get comfortable with it. Um, wait till year two. So he has the size. He's got the arm talent. He's got the mental capacity to be a better quarterback than he was last year. And I think most evaluators' issues with him was his consistency. And uh, he didn't show that this year, obviously. So if he were to go back to school, have a consistent year, show the things that evaluators and NFL scouts are looking for, I think he definitely had uh, a chance to improve his stock. Um, I'm kind of shocked that he declared. It just seemed like the wrong move. But, you know, it is what it is now. But I do think he's that guy that he'll sit on an NFL squad for a year or two and eventually we'll hear Brad Kaya's name the starter in preseason. He'll win that job, and we'll see what he can do. Joe, who is your Dak Prescott, a.k.a. day two, day three quarterback that, you know, you're you're looking for a QB. You didn't get one here on, on day one. There was a run on him, and, you know, even you could even see – five or six quarterbacks taken in the top 75. So who's the guy you didn't, you missed out on one of the top QBs, the quote unquote top QBs, Joe, who's the guy you're rolling the dice on in the middle rounds here? Well, I would agree that it would have been Kaya for being pro ready. And also just real quick, man, he should have came back. Amon Richards, the sophomore receiver. Now Mark Walton, that running back and that defense. Good Lord. Yeah, Kaya missed the boat, guys. Uh, I'm going to pick another guy, similar situation to Kaya and similar reasons, Nate Peterman. He actually took snaps under center. He mastered that Matt Canada offense last year, and maybe that's just because that's what makes him such a graph, uh, great graph pick because he's a system guy. But I, I saw some passes at the Senior Bowl that made me a believer. He was throwing through the wind, throwing through the cold, cutting that ball and spinning it. Um, and also just verbiage. I think what – he, what little work they're going to have to do with Peterman is going to give him a leg up over some other quarterbacks and uh, similar guys. It's hopefully, you know, uh, Justin and I were talking at the Combine, one of the great homes for a backup quarterback this year would be Kansas City because Alex Smith's still there. You have Andy Reid as one of the you know quarterback whispers of the league. I'd love to see a Peterman or a Kaya go there because they'd have a great chance to step right in and do some damage. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking at Nate Peterman. I love what I saw in Mobile, and uh, I, I think the, the thing that really, the feather in his cap is how quickly he mastered uh, what was a brand-new offense to him, man. And, yeah, just that turnaround at Pitt, all those points scored, it wasn't because they got a bum at quarterback, I guarantee you that. Yeah, you know, for me, Peterman – is probably the third quarterback for me personally in this year's draft. And you mentioned Kansas City. That's interesting because I think Peterman is a a little bit better and just a little bit taller version of Chase Daniel. And it wouldn't surprise me that in a year or two he could unseat Alex Smith as the starter there in Kansas City. So I love the Nate Peterman pick. I'm also in agreement with Kaya. I think he's a guy you talk about a potential starting quarterback down the road, definitely – fits all the criteria. And then, of course, you know, you guys all know I've been telling my guy, Alec Torgerson from Penn, uh, you know, probably a day three guy if he's lucky. No combine invite there, so we'll see. But we're breaking it all down. Joe Everett, Justin Gamble, Rick Saratella here in Philadelphia. Shout out to all our followers throughout the year. 
And uh, shout out to the College Gridiron Showcase, which will be starting back up in May uh, with brand new episodes. We'll be releasing the College Gridiron Showcase and Symposium 2018 watch list. And of course, 111 NFL scouts down there in Texas for the third annual College Gridiron Showcase and Symposium. You want to throw in the CFL scouts, we had 130 pro scouts overall. So if you want to nominate a player, get on board, cgsallstar.com. You can nominate a player there. You can send them directly to myself, RIC, at nfldraftbible.com. And guys like myself and Justin and Joe will take a look and see if you're worthy enough of being on the watch list. It's definitely uh, a lot of criteria that we weigh that goes into the evaluation process. And let's be honest, folks, there's a lot of NFL draft websites out there these days and you could talk the talk, but we walk the walk, baby. I don't see you guys out there on the scouting trails. I don't see you guys out there on the pro day circuit. So pardon me, if I want to toot our horn for a little bit, because if I don't tell you about it, who really will? But we're out there. We're rubbing elbows with the scouts, getting the feedback, talking to these players, and that's how we do it at the NFL Draft Bible. So, you know, I appreciate all you hardworking guys out there that are doing what you're doing, but let's let's not get it twisted and remember that. We've been doing this since 2002. You know how we do. Now, enough patting ourselves on the back like the Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> Um, where are we going next? Here? We talked about shockers. <laughs> How about fallers, guys? I mean, you know, there's definitely going to be some shockers. And then there's going to be some guys that fall out of the first round. And, and maybe this is a little bit tied into some of our other topics that we'll cover. And we'll start with you, Justin. But plenty of candidates here that are rapidly falling, so to speak. Rapidly, man. I mean, there's some talented dudes that are going to end up in day two, and it's crazy. Um, I think my highest-ranked player that I think is going to slip into day two is Malik McDowell from Michigan State. Um, He's just not doing things well. He's just not doing things right right now, man. Um, From poor interviews to, um, you know, inconsistent tape to just everything he's saying and doing just seems to be wrong. Um, he's got top five talent. I mean, he's got ability to take over games and play multiple positions. But all the word is that all the word coming back is that this kid's going to slip into day two. Someone's going to get a great player. You just got to figure out if you can motivate him and get him willing to play snap to snap, man. Yeah, you know it's hard to envision him sliding out of the first round. But you know, I did. I, I went and saw him against Maryland and. You know, that was one of those games where you're, you're just like, you know, where, where's Malik? I can't find him. And, and you know, it, it's interesting because I, I do think that there is a, still a shot. Like, Washington at 20 could be a dark horse. I have the Giants going O-line, but they lost Jonathan Hankins in the offseason. Imagine if they appeared uh, Malik McDowell in between Snacks Harrison and JPP. Wouldn't that be something? Um, so, yeah, Malik McDowell, I mean, this guy's just a great talent, but I agree with you, Justin. There's a strong possibility he could fall into round two. Joe, what do you got here? Well, I, I may as well. I've been dogging this kid all draft season. Justin knows it well. You know it well, Rick. I'm a Jabril Peppers hater from way back in the day, and uh, I <laughs> wish the diluted sample. I wish it didn't even happen, man, because I still think he falls out of the first. I'm just saying, like, watch the bowl game, Florida State, Michigan, and oh. 
Jabril Peppers didn't play. Good. Get out of the way so the rest of the defense can play. I mean, if he was a weak side linebacker, he'd be a day two pick. Still at strong safety, day two pick. If I, I, I just don't understand what love is. Yes, he's an athlete. He's a, a real nifty, fluid mover, and I'm impressed with that. But as far as a football player, I think there's some uh, a lot of other safeties in this class that are more deserving of a, a day one grade. And, yeah, I think we've, we could all agree right now at this point it's – it's looking like he's uh, the day one's just going to go on without Peppers, no matter how good an athlete he is. And uh, there may, there's just a few other safeties that are going to get picked ahead of him, and it's for good reason, not just a diluted sample. Yeah, that's that's kind of shocking if you think about where he was when, you know, the draft season kind of kicks off in January and everybody figured this kid's a top ten lock. <laughs> and you know, even with the strong combine, here we are, and I couldn't, I could not fit him into my first round mock. So, you know, could the Steelers be a possibility? Sure, maybe. Um, you know, I have Kevin King going to the Seahawks, but maybe they could make use of Peppers. But yeah, at the end of the day, I do believe he is going to fall into the round two category, as I do believe this guy and a lot to do about nothing with the running back renaissance, in my opinion, because, you know, I think you'll see your two running backs, Fournette and McCaffrey, in the first round, and that's it. And, you know, Dalvin Cook, to me, is sliding into round two, maybe round three, and there's a lot going on around him right now. Um, So much we could talk about there, but I'll just give you a bold prediction on my end that I have Donta Foreman of Texas coming off the board before I do Dalvin Cook, fellas. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I can't argue. <laughs> <laughs> all right, very good. So I think, you know, those were some pretty good fallers, and um, I think all three guys that we mentioned probably are going to be on the board there as as we get to Friday. So, we're hopping, we're bopping, we're moving, we're grooving, and we did we did an overrated. Did we do overrated? No, let's do overrated and underrated. We'll start off with overrated. Who's a first-round guy, Joe, that you think really shouldn't be a day-one player but will go in the first round? I'm, I'm starting to believe that uh, Ryan Ramchick, constant tackle, is going to go in the first round, and I'm seeing a few holes in the game. I don't know that he's a left tackle. And those hip surgeries, the, the, this is uh, a, like a lot of red flags here for a guy that's supposedly a day one. I think we all know it's such a questionable tackle class from the get-go. Um, if if he finds his way in the first round, which could very well happen, I, I just don't see that he's deserving of that. And once again, you're, you're really uh, gambling on that medically. And then you only have the one season of Division One ball. He's from Wisconsin Stevens Point Community College, and the I, I, this is a lot of question marks for a guy you're you're going to have to take day one. And I just yeah, it just doesn't meet up the cost and the return. It's it's not adding up for me for Ramchek. I I definitely let someone else take Ryan Ramchek. No, I'm with you, Joe. That medical recheck. I have not heard good things about that hip procedure, and uh, it, it's fascinating because this is the only time I could ever remember only having two, yep, two offensive linemen in my first round mock. It's just the way it played out. And I, 
I doubt that it'll play out that way just because every team needs offensive line. But uh, I think I had three. I'm sorry. Forrest Lamp also snuck in there. I had Cam Robinson going to the Giants and maybe Forrest Lamp to the Falcons. I'm not even sure I had Garrett Bowles, who I love. I'm not even sure I had him in my first round. So definitely a very peculiar peculiar year for offensive linemen. And uh, I'm actually in agreement with you there, Joe. Justin, first-round guy, a player who will go in round one, but you're just shaking your head saying, you know what, I don't see it. From the start, man, I don't understand – how we have T.J. Watt getting first-round buzz. And I'm not even sure he was the best outside linebacker on that Wisconsin team. I think Vince Beagle was the better overall player. He's the better overall mover. He looks more athletic on tape. Um, I like T.J. Watt's upside. He tested well. You know he's an athlete. But when you watch him on film, he doesn't have the best get-off. He's a little rigid. He doesn't have the ability to really flatten and turn the corner. I think when you talk about him in round one, what do you what do you think he's gonna do for your team year one is what is my question. Um, he's not a superstar pass rusher. He's not gonna come in and impact your team by getting you sacks. So are you gonna move him to off ball where he really hasn't played? Where are you gonna put him that you can justify a first day pick? Um, he's getting so much hype. He's getting so much talk about going maybe to the Cowboys, maybe even earlier than that. And the biggest thing for me is what is he gonna do for your team year one? I don't see it. I don't know what I don't know what anyone's seeing. Uh, maybe it's the analytics thing. Maybe you see the way he tests, and suddenly you sneak him up there. But for for me, when it comes to you know watching film, that's the most important aspect of the entire evaluation process. And I just did not see what he's going to do for your team year one to be an impact player. And I believe first rounders got to be impact guys. I don't see it. Yeah, you know, I think they see the bloodlines maybe. I, I don't know. But, you know, to me, a situational guy, not a not a every-down player. And you're right, there's a lot of – he's being linked to the, to the Cowboys and, and pass rushers are going to be at a premium. <clears throat> that's the one position in this year's draft that I believe will, will not slide. And that's why Taco Charlton, for me, you know, good player, just – not somebody I see as a first-round pick. I think he can be productive. I think he'll be a starter at the next level. But he's not a guy that I'm envisioning coming in and, and being some kind of double-digit sack master. So, you know, Taco Charlton, to me, is a guy that's going to probably go inside the top 20, I believe. And that's just a little bit too rich for my taste. So Taco Charlton would be my guy there now. That was overrated. Give me an underrated guy, fellas. I'll go back over to you, Justin. A day two guy could be a second or third round guy that that you feel is going to outperform some of the players selected at his position in the first round. Man, I got so many. Uh, uh, let me go pass rusher again. Let's go pass rusher. And I want to talk about Dwayne Smoot from Illinois. Um, coming into this year, he was talked about as a potential top 15 player. And that's because when you watch this kid on film, he's got the size, he's got the get-off, he's got the bend, he's got the hands. And this kid has it all. He had a down year. He played for a bad team that was forced to defend the run a lot because they were down all the time. And uh, he got moved inside sometimes. They did everything they could to try and get this kid to make an impact. 
mainly because they didn't have a lot of other impact players. But I think when you watch him on third downs, when you watch his ability to be a pure pass rusher, um, he's one of the best in the class. He destroyed Michigan – or who was it? Michigan. He destroyed the Nebraska guys. I mean, these are big power five teams that this kid's, you know, lighting up. He's destroying their tackles. Um, he just has all the traits on film, man. I love the way he uses his hands. I love the way he can get around the edge and flatten and get to the quarterback. I think if you place this guy on the weak side – and let him hunt, and I think soon in his NFL career, he's going to be a double-digit sack artist. Dwayne Smooth, all right, from uh, Illinois, uh, definitely a guy not getting any first-round buzz there, Joe. Dwayne Smooth for, for Justin, your thoughts on that? And then also, uh, who's your day-two value pick that you think is, is really has a round-one value on your board? Well, now I'm scrambling, checking my top 100. Did I include Dwayne Smoot? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I really love the points Justin brought up there. He's, uh, it, that is a good aspect, too, that Illinois just got manhandled all season long. How's he going to get any pass rushing footage out there for anyone to evaluate? But uh, my guy, Rick, you know well, it's Marcus Williams of Utah. I, it was so difficult not to put him in my final mock. I, I think the the only knock on him is that there's such an overload at safety this year. There's just a ton of guys that can play that Jones at NC State. Uh, you know, I would uh, I think Williams, in my opinion, is the third safety for me. He's got such range. He shadows well in coverage. He's got that recovery speed. It doesn't hurt that he showed up in Indianapolis and tested through the roof. And also just a leader on and off the field, uh, well-respected the locker room, coach on the field that signed me up for Marcus Williams. Uh, Hope he ends up in Indianapolis or Denver. I mean, because I just – Love to meet the guy. I mean, that that is a heck of a player, and wherever he goes, he's going to drastically improve the defense that he joins. You know, Joe, yeah, you're I not don't like everything. One. Go ahead, Justin. I was going to tell Joe, I don't like everything you say because I don't like when you call Deshaun Watson a winner. Rub that in my face. I don't like when you talk my boy Peppers, but I do like some Marcus Williams well because that kid is as rangy. Ball hawk, that's a true center fielder. I can get on board with that one. Yeah, yeah I, I was going to say, a lot of people uh, really liking Marcus. And who knows, he could be uh, on the back end of that. I like Marcus Williams to go in the first round before Tyus, Tyus Bowser, maybe. So uh, just some more food for thought. But, you know, the guy I'm going to go with here, the Rodney Dangerfield of the draft, I feel like, is Curtis Samuel. I mean, what's this guy got to do to get some respect? I mean, he yeah. comes out, he runs a four three forty, He averages eight yards a carry for his career as a running back, but everybody's written him off at that position. They just assume he's a slot receiver. And he's got arguably just as good his hands as uh, Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, I, I've, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It wouldn't surprise me. Five years from now, if you're talking about Curtis Samuel being a better player than Christian McCaffrey is, I'm just saying. I don't doubt that. So, and, and that's a guy, yeah, and I have a hard time trying to, I want to put him on the first round big board. I want to put him in my mock draft. I just don't hear any buzz about this guy. Zero. Unbelievable. Um Rick Saratella, Justin Gamble, Joe Everett, bringing you the names you need to know first since 2002. This is our 2017 NFL Draft Day 1 
preview show here on the Blog Talk Radio. And, uh, you know, if you want to get on board, you want to ask a question, 347-945-6275. The Defiance Fuel hotlines are open, 347-945-6275. We've got the chat room open if you want to get in where you fit in there. And, you know, we talked about it, guys. So many red flags, so many questionable characters uh, here leading up to the draft. You saw what happened to guys like Gary and Conley and Caleb Brantley. And Justin, I'll start with you. I mean, Brantley, I know, you know, happened um, about a week or two ago. Conley, uh, a couple days ago. If, if you don't mind talking about both of them. But Conley, at first I thought he would, you know, have the Lyle Collins treatment and go undrafted. And then, you know, shout out to Ian Rappenport because I listened to him talk and he he spoke to some teams who said because of what happened with Lyle Collins and the fact that Dallas got, winded up getting such a bargain that, you know, all these NFL teams aren't going to make the same mistake and let him completely fall through the cracks all seven rounds. So some people see Conley as a round two guy. Some people see him as a day two guy. Some people see him as a day three guy. Justin, how do you see Gary and Conley? And then if you could touch base on Caleb Brantley as well, where you see him falling. Yeah, well, I think it just depends on what NFL teams find out as the truth for both guys. I mean, there was reports now that – shout out to Rappaport again – that 24 teams have talked to or to Gary on Conley personally. So you talk about the issue and, you know, there's reports coming out that the whole thing is false. Um, and that some GMs were saying that he's a day or he's a round three guy, but it's kind of weird because if he's truly innocent, why not take him round one? Um, and I'm not doubting that he might, he might be completely innocent, but why not? Why are you waiting? Are, are they just upset that he put himself in that position in the first place? Um, is it maybe that they don't trust his judgment, his judgment now? Uh, so it's tough to say. I think Conley ends up going somewhere around two. I think teams are going to take him off that first round board just because they don't want him to deal with the headache right away. And it's such a deep class, but I don't think he slips that far, man. He's a pretty talented kid. As for Brantley, there was another report. Uh, I think it was Rappaport again, came out saying that with the security guard at the scene, um, said that he didn't punch anyone. He just pushed the woman away from him. She was never unconscious. Nothing major ever happened. But, again, it just depends what NFL teams are going to get out of this because uh, Brantley had some issues in the first place with, you know, effort and, I don't know, some other things. It just his interviews, I heard, were not so hot. So it just depends. I mean, he's a talented kid. He's definitely a day-one talent. But I think both these guys end up somewhere in round two now, um, unfortunately. Yeah, and Conley, I mean – you, he was a guy that, you know, some people thought 1A, 1B with, with uh, Marshawn Latimer, Joe. And now I'm not sure how much NFL teams know more than we do, but, I mean, if you're an NFL GM working with, you know, what we know just being reported in the media, where do you think Conley goes? Where do you feel comfortable with him going? And any thoughts on Caleb Brantley as well? And, and, and you know, listen, if you've been living under a rock and don't know why we're talking about Gary and Conley or Caleb Brantley, Gary and Conley accused of rape in the bathroom in Cleveland on April the 9th, I believe, just came out a couple of days ago. And then Caleb Brantley uh, 
accused of punching a girl in the face about two weeks ago, uh, you know, allegedly knocking teeth loose out of her mouth. Uh, again, we don't know the police report. We haven't spoken to these players, but based on what you do know, Joe, please speculate for us. Well, I think it's interesting. Caleb Brantley, there is no video footage, and apparently hit a woman. And Joe Mixon, there is video footage, hit a woman, might go first round. That tells you the talent level. <laughs> the teams are letting us know right then and there. Now, we'll take a chance on Joe Mixon. Caleb Brantley, I guess maybe not, because like Justin said, maybe there's some questionable interviews and like lack of effort. But as far as Conley, I think it does end up being round two or three, day two pick, maybe at the end. It's certainly, on a PR perspective, a lot easier to sweep a second or third rounder under the rug than it is a day one first round pick where they, the people got a day to digest it, all night to write the article, and it's like start bashing the team, whereas day two kind of goes a little bit more quiet, and certainly Saturday during the day, that'd be ideal. But I think someone takes the chance on Conley eventually in the top 100, but, but reacting to it the day of, I'm like, boy, maybe we should just drop him out of our top 100 for prosperity. But uh, I'd rather just have the talented player that we know he is and, and leave him there accordingly just because it is a shame. Like you said, Rick, this, this guy, a lock not just for the first round, maybe even, what, top 15? Uh, top 10, perhaps? Yeah. I mean, who knows uh, yeah. how high he could have gone. Definitely a couple million dollars in the pocket taking a hit there uh, between whether he falls from the first round to the second or the third. There's a, a big financial loss for Mr. Gary and Conley, who I do believe, I think, you know, Hey, if I got Joe Mixon going in the first round, then, hey, I got Gary Conley going in the second. <laughs> How about that? Uh, <laughs> Caleb Brantley, you know, I mean, again, I, I guess he goes day two before the end of the day two just because he is a first-round talent. And that Lyle Collins factor, I mean, you're getting a, a borderline Pro Bowl player at a discount. So, you know, it's the, the roll of the dice, the risk-reward we should say, and, you know, teams like the Titans that got, you know, I, I think the Titans are one team where they have five picks on the first two day, two days of the draft. There's, uh, I think, another team out there with, with five picks. I think the Browns might have five picks. Uh, yeah. So there's a few teams floating around. They got those extra lottery tickets. Maybe they can, you know, afford to take that risk. And uh, that was – Garen Conley and Caleb Brantley. And, Joe, you talked about Jabril Peppers earlier about the diluted test and him slipping out of the first round. Justin, your thoughts on Julius Peppers as well as Reuben Foster because he's another one, diluted sample. I think he, one of them or both of them blamed it on dehydration maybe, but uh, one of them, I think, said food poisoning. Another one said dehydration. Their agents definitely had great, great stories for these guys. But uh, how do you see Peppers and Foster playing out, Justin? For the record, I I'll, I have failed a drug test with dilute because I drank too much water. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's a real thing. It's happened. Um, but Jabril Peppers, I'm with Joe on this one, actually. And I thought that even before this whole uh, drug test thing, I thought he slips into round two. Uh, I think his lack of position, the 2016 tape, which is so many unknowns with that kid, what you want to do with him. 
and what he really can do, you know, as a pure football player, I think he's going to end up playing defense, and I think he is going to slip into day two. So Peppers is a different story than Foster because Foster, I think, there's no way a talent like Foster falls out around one. I mean, linebackers like him just don't come around every year. And when you think about linebackers, it's like they're supposed to be nuts, man. They're supposed to be crazy dudes. They're supposed to have issues, you know, with not with drugs or not with anything else, but overall when you look at the big picture, everyone's like, well, Foster's a dummy. He's, you know, crazy. He's got bad judgment. He's volatile. But don't you want your linebackers to be crazy and volatile and have no disdain for human safety? Um, I think that the fact that it was dilute and not purely positive, I think there's no way he gets into the teens and these linebacker needy teams pass on Foster. I do think he goes um, round one. I think he could go as early as 15 to Indianapolis. So I'm not ruling off Foster. Peppers, he's going to slip. But Foster, there's no way. Yeah, and, you know, the, the whole, you know, even though we've never seen anything quite like that getting kicked out of the combine, Joe, I mean, I think that was blown out of proportion. I could really care less about that stuff. And, you know, Justin says as high as 15, but I think the Bengals are picking, like, number 11. Could that potentially be a landing spot for Ruben Foster, Joseph? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Bengals there uh... – Saints there in the well, they're eleven. Bengals nine. Then also, I think Justin found a good home at fifteen for the Colts, who really have no talent at middle linebacker. Uh, another good landing <laughs> spot: the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they they could use a stud in the middle of that defense. So, I, I think the the sticking point that stands out that Justin made there is that there's too many teams with a need, uh, especially in that middle of the first round. That he's going to eventually fall off, and there's just too many games out there where you pop pop it on. He's the fastest player on the field in a Division One SEC game. That's that's talent, and I also yes would prefer my linebackers to have at least one screw slightly loose. Uh, well-adjusted, we'll say. He's well-adjusted. <laughs> no doubt about it. This has been the NFL Draft Bible Round 1 preview show. It's been can't stop, won't stop, around the clock. And, uh, you know, we're getting down here to the nitty-gritty. Uh, Joe Everett, Justin Gamble, Rick Saratella, we are about seven hours away from the 2017 NFL Draft. And just want to make sure we're not missing any major headlines before we sign off on the air. I guess we'll go around the the horn and uh, do some parting shots. Any last thoughts you want to leave with the people, fellas? Um, uh, Scott McClellan being an advisor now on some of uh, the NFL teams I'm seeing. But, yeah, nothing nothing, – earth-shattering right now. So uh, with that being said, before we get to Joe and Justin's final thoughts, I just want to remind everybody once again, NFLDraftBible.com, we have our top 1,000 big board. We have our final mock draft. We have some hot takes up there. Uh, We also will be back tomorrow at 12 o'clock with the day two preview show. So if you liked this one, uh, join us tomorrow again. Please like, share, and uh, help us spread the word uh, of the good Bible, the NFL Draft Bible. We're always preaching the gospel here. Of course, we started this draft season off uh, January 7th down in Texas at the College Gridiron Showcase. 
the first all-star game on the docket where we had 111 NFL scouts. We moved on to the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl, the Combine, the Pro Day circuit, and then the long month of April where I just try to wear earmuffs at this point because there's just so much (laughs) fugazi rumors swirling around in the air. But, uh, hey, listen, you know, it's been a long grind. And these guys, uh, shout out to to, uh, Chris Shanafelt, who couldn't make it with us here today, but another one of the NFL Draft Bible Familia and Justin Gamble, Joe Everett, the hardest working staff in the NFL draft industry, hands down, no doubt about it. And uh, we'll be we'll be covering you from front to back, from left to right, from up to down at NFL Draft Bible. Of course, Joe Everett is at Joe W. Everett. Justin Gamble is at Gam Scout. And, uh, you know, shout out to Premier Athlete Advisors, premierathleteadvisors.com. CGSAllStar.com, GoParabolic.com, the Parabolic Performance and uh, Rehab World-Class Training Facility, now open in Manalapan, the largest indoor training facility on the East Coast. We definitely love them. And DefineFuel.com. All of our love and support from you guys, the listeners out there, uh, you know, we wouldn't be nothing without you guys. So we do appreciate it. It ain't easy being independent media competing with these mainstream cats, you know, trying to give you some real coverage instead of this NFL network and ESPN fluff that they bang in, bop you over the head with. No offense, I'm just saying. Hey, I just call it like I see it. It's Rick Saratella, and I'm going to go over to Joe Everett for a parting shot. Uh, It's just been a privilege to cover this great running back class, a great tight end group, and a phenomenal safety group. I've just continued to be amazed, and that's what I'm looking most forward to today. I mean, you'd have to go back to 2008 to get running backs like this. That eight class had uh, Chrissy Johnson, Matt Forte, Ray Rice, Jamal Charles, you know, all those guys, but I I still think this running back class could be better. The tight ends, heck, you'd have to go back to – what, 2006, the last time two tight ends were taken in the first round of the draft, that was Mercedes Lewis and Vernon Davis. I'm going way back, y'all. This tight end class, <laughs> it may even have three tight ends this year. So we are, we're going to be setting records with some positions, I believe. And then I already went ad nauseum about these safeties. I mean, Hooker Adams, Melifonru, we already brought up Williams. There's just a ton of guys that are going to be difference makers. So those three positions, they stand out to me, and that's what I'm going to be watching all of the next two days to see where these guys land and uh, what teams really had it right in my books. Yeah, Obi Melifonlu, Buda Baker, uh, Justin Evans, a few safeties we didn't even mention yet, Joe. And I, I agree. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Evan Ingram slides into the first round. You see three tight ends there. But running back, uh, I'm not so sure. You know, LeGarrette Blunt. we hear some talk he might link up with the New York Giants, which I think would be a great fit. Jamal Charles still out there. So I wanna, I'm want to. i going to be interested to see just how much – the NFL values running backs because I got about a half a dozen running backs that I project to go undrafted who I would feel very comfortable with signing after the draft to come in and compete for a starting job. We see it every year in the NFL running backs. I can find all over the place, all over the map. Uh, That's the one position they say, if you're good, the NFL will find you. I will tell you that I've seen 
running backs that are good enough to play in the NFL just don't make it because there's so many. It's a tough position to make the, the toughest, I, I would say. But uh, <clears throat> Justin Gamble, parting shot. I think you guys are hitting the nail on the head. With this class, it's all about depth. I mean, last year we didn't see a lot of – it wasn't very top-heavy, and we also didn't see a lot of uh, depth at any position in particular. There's maybe a few, but this year you go position by position, and it's just stacked with players. Um, I think even after 32 guys get picked tonight, I can still go through the remaining guys on the board and make another first-round mock draft. So don't don't leave your TVs tomorrow. Um, pay attention to those names because there's going to be a lot of impact players and starters that come off the board tomorrow. Um, this class is one of the deepest at so many positions I've ever seen. Uh, it's exciting. It's also what makes this class predict or unpredictable. Um, it's made this a fun year to evaluate these guys, man. So it has just been an absolute blast trying to cover all this stuff. Yeah, and of course we will be posting our best available player draft board after each day of the draft. So log on to NFLDraftBible.com uh, before day two begins to find out who those best available players are. And then again on day three, we'll update that for you like we always do. Uh, once again, NFLDraftBible.com, we've posted our top 1,000. We've also posted the final mock draft. Uh, guys like Justin and Joe will be tweeting their analysis at GamScout, at Joe W. Everett. Of course, at NFL Draft Bible is the mother load for <laughs> can't stop, won't stop, nonstop. We'll never stop covering the NFL Draft, even when I'm in the casket, folks. You'll be walking up to my casket. I'll be spitting out scouting reports on Alec Torgerson. <laughs> <laughs> we can't end the Joey show Webb. <laughs> hey so we'll be back at it again tomorrow at noon same crew same bat time 12 o'clock eastern time and if you just tuned in or you joined us halfway through the show this show will be available immediately on the archives blogtalkradio.com iTunes, again, we posted everything we do at NFL Draft Bible, so if you want to hear it in its entirety, uh, that's how you do it. And please, click like, subscribe, share, spread the good word of the NFL Draft Bible. We're always preaching the gospel of the NFL Draft Bible here, bringing you the names you need to know first since 2002. Shout out to Chris Shanafel. Big shout out to Justin Gamble and Joe Everett. Of course, I was your host, Rick Saratella. We'll catch you, everybody, in about 23 hours from now to break down day two. But in about seven hours, it's Christmas time. So enjoy, everybody. <laughs>